With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. <laughs> Are you originally from Florida? No, I actually grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, lived in Tennessee and uh, North Alabama, off and on through 2001, moved down here in 2001 to uh, take a job with a Gannett-owned TV duopoly, NBC and ABC uh, combo down here. We've been down here ever since. We didn't want the kids to, but that time we had uh, one that was five and one that had just been born. And I looked at my wife and said, we're not, I was on this broadcasting thing for years where we, every three years, either they moved you or you wanted to move, you know, and we just got to the point where we got down here. We're like, we're not moving again. Our kids need to know their environment. They need to have friends. They need to build relationships and we're not going to cart them around the country. So we decided to settle here. It's a great place to live. It really is. Nice. You know, I originally, that was my plan was to be in broadcast. I was going to be in broadcast. I was going to be that face on your television screen every evening, 6 p.m., mm-hmm. telling you the news. And I think when I got to be a junior in college, Brad, I realized, mm, yeah, no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's an interesting industry. It's super cool on different levels, but in some respects, it's 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 tough. It, it's changed quite a bit. My father was on air uh, from the mid uh, mid fifties to the early seventies. So, so I actually grew up in a TV household. And it, growing up, I grew was born in the early sixties. So, growing up in the sixties, there were three channels. So, when he walked down the street, people would stop him and ask for his autograph. We'd walk into a restaurant, they clear a table. I mean, he was he was a celebrity. And even though it was just in our town, I thought he was a celebrity everywhere because I didn't know any different. And <laughs> but I would come home and see him on television, and he'd be sitting next to me, and I'm like. How can you be both places, you know, kind of thing. But uh, I grew up in it. I got an honors degree in broadcast management and I uh, got into sales and uh, ran sales teams on four or five different Southern markets uh, to about 2010 or 11. Uh, happened to write a book that somehow sold on three continents. And about a year later, I started my company full time uh, 2012 doing um corporate commission speaking and sales leadership and management training and what I call upper end job seeker services. Those are primarily morphed into this area into people that are uh, transitioning out of the, the, the military with the third largest concentration of military in the U.S., especially Navy. Uh, and uh, people that are my age, you woke up one day and went, geez, I hate what I do. I want to do something else and help them kind of, excav- you know, dig down and excavate those things that really make them tick and then try to get them on the path to finding that. And so those three things are really what the business is kind of founded on. My favorite thing is coaching and training. That's my, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, my, 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 uh, my dad was on television, so he was an entertainer and a news guy. My mother ran a school. She has a preschool for 50 years. 
And so I have this education side on one side and entertainment on the other, and I call it entertainment. Uh, I try to uh, get you to listen, get you to laugh, get you to plug in, and then try to share information that maybe can help you. And that's really what my calling is. So I'm trying to do that anytime I can. Would you say the speaking world was just kind of in the genes? Was it something that you knew this was what you would do, especially with your dad, you know, being, uh, being, you know, I, I, I was kind of like you, it was more like the on-air TV and radio stuff. I, I was, uh, was a um, jock at a rock station uh, in Knoxville through uh, college and thought I was going to be, that was going to be the thing. And then when I got out, got my degree and had this thing in the TV Jones, I got into television and thought I was going to be doing more of the production side ended up in news and did that for a year and then I started my own production company and uh, we ran that for three years and sold it and then it was like okay I want to get back in but I want to make money at what I'm doing and that was the sales route Uh, so I got to really use those talents of explaining to people how they could get their message across by using television and using you know the uh, the media that were out there to convey their you know their new idea or their solution or whatever it is they want to get across and I really never thought of it as selling. I thought of it as helping them grow their business or solving problems. And uh, that was 25 years of that. <laughs> Apparently, I was okay at it. Uh, but it, um, yeah, I think it came back full circle. Uh, my dad had written a number of books. He'd written for articles that were in the Harper's Bazaar and uh, the New Yorker and all kinds of stuff in the 50s and 60s. And so I had a writing thing as well. And when I uh, first started working on uh, the the first book in 2000. I guess I started in like 2009, got it done end of 2010. Um, it was just, I just want to see if I can do one. It was really just a, you know, some stuff I had compiled and that I thought was interesting and was how to use some things that I created called the vowels to find your perfect job. And I put this little book out there and uh, had some great people who helped me get it where it needed to be. And it told on three continents and made me decide that, well, actually my wife helped me. She got at the end of 2011, and she came to me and she said, all right, you're working at a TV station, you know, 40, 45 hours a week. You're speaking and pushing the book and doing all this other stuff. The other, I don't know, 75 hours a week. Is this a job? Is it a hobby? What are you doing? You can't, you're 50, you know, at that time I turned 50, so you're 50 now. You're not 30. You're burning the candle at both ends and torching it in the middle. What, what do you want to do? And she challenged me and she was right. And uh, it was time to do it. So I started it full time. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but 2012 wasn't exactly a most robust economic year in the history of the United States, but there's never a perfect time, Bridget, to do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Never a perfect time to have kids or decide to get married or leave a job, go to a job, or in this case, start a business. And so that experience led to the second book, which is I'll call Reach Your Peak, Become CEO of Your Success. And it took the vowels and put them back into a success place where they came from. And basically, I just used those pretty much daily now for anything and everything. There are seven habitual characteristics that define who you are. Um, Attitude, energy, effort, integrity, intensity, outlook, and and, and uniqueness. And people see them in different ways. They use them in different ways. What I try to get them to understand is the owner's manual that goes with them and how you can literally turn them on, understand who you are, and then project yourself differently, whether it's interviewing, whether it's moving up in your company, whether it's projecting uh, an entrepreneurial air and being able to, you know, get people to come with you on on, on your vision. Um, it, we all have them. We just have to understand how to use them. And uh, that was the gift of, of anything else. I, I have this ability to see more in people than they see in themselves. And 
I just get out a shovel and start digging and try to make sure I can excavate it so they can see it. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's that's really what it comes down to. That's kind of so the speaking was part of that. It was not the reason. The speaking, my dad always said he was a talking writer who was also a writing talker, and I think that's probably the best definition. You, you hear me speak and you read the book, it sounds like me, and I just put it in words. I mean, I just basically it's 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 not excessively formalized. It's very specific and organized, but it's not uh, the, the 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 verbiage is what you'd hear me do on stage. And so they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I do the same thing basically most of the time to get people uh, alive and awake and ready to listen. And I'm kind of the energy guy. At the, I start a lot of uh, corporate meetings. I, I'm the closing guy at a lot of corporate meetings. Whatever it is to get people to move to the next phase, uh, it just, uh, it's sort of what I've been given to share. And the first thing I want to do when I learn something, Bridget, is share it. Um, this past year has been interesting because obviously 2020 was bizarre. Um, but, um, I went through a second bout of cancer and I'm now at a point where I want to educate people on basically being your own advocate and taking care of your own choices and making sure you're involved in the medical decisions around you, because I learned an incredible amount of things in the last year. And I don't want people to make some of the mistakes I made, but I love for them to learn from what I learned. And, uh, I don't compare my cancer journey to anybody else's. They're all different. But the point is the decisions you make aren't decisions and make are yours. And I don't know if that's going to be a book. That's going to be a series. It's going to be a blog. It's going to be a speaking tour. I don't know what it's going to be, but I've got to get out with that at some point because I'm very compelled to share the eight, nine months of uh, uh, very uh, unexpected learning that was cast upon me last year. Right. Well, I, I hope you are okay. I trust you are better and, and things are heading in the right direction for you health-wise. Yeah, uh, we, we hope so. Um, five years ago, I had colon cancer, and basically it was just a surgery event. They went in, took out 18 inches of my colon. I didn't do um, chemo because there was nothing showing up on any of the scans after they took it. So I just went back to living. So basically it, was a, it wasn't surviving cancer, it was surviving surgery. And I got through that and went back to playing tennis and doing whatever. And, and you know, for five years, it was fine. Uh, beginning of last year, I had this cough that wouldn't go away. And I was in the middle of last on top of that, my my mom, who was uh, 91, passed last year on um, Good Friday, and she had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's about a year and a half previous, so we knew it was coming. But in the middle of doing all of this, uh, I was just not feeling well, and I was back and forth between here and uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, being her, her power of attorney, which is another thing I'd love to share for people to do to make sure your elderly uh, parents are ready for that kind of change, which I wasn't and had to learn quickly. But uh, anyway, we uh, went through all that. I got um, eventually after mom's funeral, came home and got diagnosed with uh, a recurrence of the same kind of cancer that I had in my colon that had now appeared on, on my liver, spots on my lungs, and a couple spots in my shoulder, which were very interesting. So I had 15 radiation treatments. I had 12 rounds of chemo. I had a laundry list of uh, procedures I'd never envisioned having. Um, I mean, I, I'm a guy that doesn't have to go to the doctor. I just, I'm relatively healthy. And I had this list of things that I had done, multiple scans, um, you know, cranial MRI. I mean, you, you tell me something people have during that, and I probably had it, uh, all within about seven or eight months. Uh, November got a scan. It was very positive, very clear. Uh, so now I'm on a maintenance program. Uh, just basically making sure it doesn't uh, rear its ugly head again anytime soon. 
and uh, trying to get back to the way of, uh, of life. The only hangover I've got is a little neuropathy in my fingers and my feet. And we hope that's going to go away. But short of that, uh, I'm trying to live every day like I did it before. But now with even maybe a little bit more urgency, you know, I'm a little older, uh, gone through a little more uh, challenging times. And uh, now it's time to you know get get in the car or get, get in, the, in the office every morning and hit the gas and keep going until you run out. Right, right, right. I like to say all gas, no break. <laughs> That's it. That's right. it. All gas, no break. Don't stop. Don't even think about it. Now, a little bit earlier, you were saying how you like to learn and then teach others. Let others learn from what you learn. Is mm-hmm. that how you approach your speaking? What What's your secret sauce for your presentations? Uh, number one. And this, and people don't do this. And I, I, let me give you a, just a quick story, and I'll help you understand the background. I was on a uh, speaking tour called um, the Pink Slip Tour. It was sponsored by Virgin Mobile. It was back in 2011, 12, and people were. It was a lot. You were at 18, 19 percent unemployment. There's a lot of. It was after the worst economic years since 1930, which is 2009, and they put together this tour where we went into a number of large cities on the uh, East Coast. And there's about seven or eight speakers involved. I was one of them. And there's a headliner that was, you'd recognize his name. I don't uh, want to say that because I don't, it's not his show. But anyway, uh, you'd recognize the name. He was a headliner and I was one of the guys sort of in, in, in the middle. After about two of the events, he pulled me over to the side and he said, you're going to be really good. It was really my first national gig by any stretch. He pulled me over to the side because you're going to be really good at this. I watch people ignite when you're on stage. I watch them really listen to you. They're, they're ears perked up. Uh, you've got great personality. He said, here's something that you're going to have to understand. There's a inside every speaking opportunity. There's 10 people, 1,000 people, or just like we spoke to a few minutes ago, 2,500 or 10,000. There is this bell-shaped curve. And the bell-shaped curve exists where 10 to 15% of the people are going to light up immediately. They like you. They think you're funny. They relate to you. They got the story you started with. They're already trying to find you on social media. They're the people that will follow you out to your car and ask for, you know, sign a book. You've got them. You've won those people. You've already won that 10 to 15% of the room. There's another 10 to 15% on the backside of that that don't give a big fat baby's butt what you're saying. They they don't care. Uh, Maybe you remind them of their brother-in-law they don't like, a boss they used to have. They think they know everything you're about to say. They've already tuned you out. You're not going to get them. Your job is to win that 70% or so of people in the middle. It's called the movable middle. If you get those people to go from, well, that was interesting, to action, you've done your job. So what, what I start with, number one, period, know the room. Who's there? Why are they there? And, and as much information as I can get out of an, of an organizer of an event, I, I drive them nuts I do a 30 to 60 minute client needs analysis with them to understand not only what they want me to do, but who's in the room, why they're there, ages, experience levels, whatever it is, so that I know as much as I possibly can. Because I've got probably three or four minutes and maybe a couple slides at the beginning to get their attention. And if I don't get their attention, then that number that was 10 or 15 percent that don't care starts crawling up and, and gets to 20 or 30 and people start walking out and I've had people sleep. I've had people literally get up and leave. I've had people shake their head and walk out. I mean, you can't, you can't worry about those people. I'm worried about the ones that are getting me and then the ones that are thinking about it. And but that comes from knowing the room. Uh, two is make sure that once you understand that, that you 
make sure that there's something in there that connects to those people. It could be just understanding the jargon that they use, making sure you're speaking their language. If you're if you're in a different, you know, if you're speaking to, uh, you know, a company that calls all of their, their, their salespeople, you know, media consultants, you can't call them salespeople. You have to call them what they call them. If uh, you're, if these are, you know, downline managers and you call them frontline managers, they tune you out. You, you, you got it backwards. You got to understand the culture that you're walking into. And I try to just be part of that as much as I can, as much as I can with that one in terms of, of connecting. And then three is immediately, you know, stay on your toes. And if you see that something's working, continue it. If it's not, get off of it. <laughs> if you see that it's just, you know, you don't have time, it's not a classroom, you're not going to walk up to the chalkboard and start, you know, diagramming it. If they don't get where you're headed, move a little bit off of it or try it again, but don't keep plowing that road. If you see people have blank stares and they're just not getting what you're saying, you may have to augment the, uh, the, 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 the mission a little bit, but it really starts with understanding the room. You, you probably won't get to three if you know one. So everybody, oh my goodness, those three are just cornerstones for giving a killer presentation. I mean, everybody, you you can you can tell Brad Rainey is a dynamo in this space. He has spoken to almost 150,000 people. He's an international speaker, author, sales leadership management trainer, and entrepreneur. He has 30 years of experience in creating and developing high-performance teams in a variety of industries all across the country. The question is, even after those three decades experience, Brad, and I mean, you're a rock star, hands down, just giving those three pillars. Do you ever get nervous before presentation, during a presentation? And if you do, what, how do you handle it? What do you do? That's an excellent question. <clears throat> Pardon me, uh, Bridget. And, and it's, I mean, I was nervous before you and I got on this call. I mean, I got, because I wasn't sure, but one thing, I wasn't sure it was going to be video and audio or just, just audio. Right. So, so I prepared for video and I got notes everywhere. I got things that I might want to say when we decided it was just going to be audio. I'm like, cool. So now I got notebooks in front of me. I've got everything I thought I might want. I'm, I'm trying to be prepared. Number one thing, I've got a, um, um, a um, like a fortune cookie that came to me one time. I opened it up and it said only the prepared speaker deserves to be confident. That's really what it comes down to. If you're not prepared, if you're not ready to go with the stuff, if you've not done it, I mean, I've done, please keep, keep in mind, I don't have off the, off the shelf things that I do. Everything is custom to the people that I'm speaking to, but there are parts of it that you can adjust. And there are some, you know, there's some organizational things that are in them. There's a start and a finish. People say that you, I, I like to watch you because you tell a story. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end to the presentations, and I do. And that's not by accident. I work very hard to construct those. Now that I've built a lot of them, I can, I can sort of morph them into different shapes and colors so that they fit who I'm speaking to. But it really comes down to if, if I am prepared, the nervousness only comes from the excitement of getting ready to do it because I, I know it's going to be great. And at the worst case, I'm going, to I'm going to just entertain myself. I'm going to challenge myself to have a great time. I'm going to challenge myself to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to challenge myself to learn something from the crowd themselves because I have a lot of interactivity in what I do. So the, the most of that comes from the ability to just be prepared and just say, look, I'm, I'm going to walk out there. And as soon as the lights go up, now it's not the time to worry about it. I got to go perform. I, I was an athlete for years and still when I get back through this health thing, I'll start playing tennis again. 
I love when the lights come on. I love when they introduce my name in basketball and I ran out to the middle of the court or when they, you know, it's time, you know, court one, tennis team player, this is Brad Randy and his opponent is blah, blah, blah. I love that. I love being on stage. I love being out in front of people. I love when the lights go on. And I'm probably a better game day guy than I am a practice guy. But the bottom line is that's what that is. And when you get ready to walk on stage or you got your 30 minutes or you got your hour or you're doing a full day workshop with, with, with people, you got to be on and you got to be able to flip the switch and turn the personality into, I wouldn't say it's in, you know, it's, 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 it's indestructible, but you got to put some armor on. I mean, you're going to hear some things you don't like. Like I said, some people are going to not get it. It's okay. You don't, I don't worry about the people that don't get it. I'm not going to get them anyway. It's the best, the best advice I had back in 2011, 12. That's what it was. Is it, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the people that don't like you. Uh, most of the review, you know, most of these events have, uh, these these review sheets that they hand out and they'll hand out to the crowd and they'll fill them out and, and some of the really good organizers will send them back to you someone will send me i had one come it was an entire packet like a like a uh, uh, like a fedex envelope with like 400 reviews and the people had put in and he just rather than copying them he just stuck them in there and sent them to me and most of the time those are usually 97 percent positive and there's always one or two that you read and you go what was this guy thinking? But I, yeah. it really doesn't matter because I'm not going to reach him. He, he, he doesn't, I'm not going to say he doesn't matter, but he's going to be ignited by somebody else. And what I, I saw on that tour that I was on was a lot of us were saying similar things, but you could watch different pockets of the audience pop up. The next guy came up, said almost the same thing I did, but in his way and different people reacted to him. It's all about personality. And we could almost give the same thing over and over. We can almost do a TED talk and all of us you know, give, give five people do the exact same topic in their own way. And you would see five different areas of the crowd would, would, would actually react. That's what it's about. And that's all I try to do is, is understand that I'm going to go out there and do the best I can. I've got enough experience now that I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. And yeah, things can break. Here's the biggest challenge and can get you nervous technology. <laughs> I've had slides go down. I've had audio fail. I've had, we were, um, had an interactive thing going with a, with a workshop one day and the power went out. I mean, you just got to wing it then. Then you got to see what you're made of. Um, I, I kind of have a few things built in my head of if this blows up, here's where I'm going to go next. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of times uh, it's kind of like defensive driving. You assume that driver is going to stop at the red light, but what if they don't? Uh, I, I just kind of get ready for that. And uh, it, well, at the, the, the worst case, you can look at people and go, hey, things break, sorry, and everybody laughs and you move on because they probably had it happen to them as well. If they're managers and leaders and they've tried to run a, a sales meeting and the slides didn't work, they're in the same shoes you are. So you all of a sudden you become human. And <laughs> as long as you relate to them, as long as you get that message across, it's it, it's okay. You know, nothing's perfect. Um, I try to do the best I can and um, I hope I'll get better every time I do it. But yeah, uh, having some nerves is, is definitely a definitely a positive. It, it is because when you have the nerves, it signals that you care. You care about this being an impactful performance. You made me think about a former colleague of mine who uh, was one of um, I don't think it was about twelve of us, I think, on the team. Miss Clay and we used to do technology presentation at universities and colleges around the country and whenever we had to do whenever he had to do a tech presentation he would just start the presentation off with of course after his proper and everything but he would 
in that in those opening words say something to the effect of because this is a technology focused presentation something is going to go wrong and when it does <laughs> clap you know <laughs> so, and and you bet uh, 15 20 minutes in some link doesn't work some video doesn't play some whatever doesn't queue up now you you have my wheels turning you had my wheels turning when you were talking about how Five different speakers, for instance, can talk on the same topic, can present on the same topic. However, message will resonate with different people in the audience or at different points. And it would be an interesting project or an interesting piece of research. Five different speakers, 10 different speakers, mm-hmm. every last one. Not just speaking on the same topic, but using the exact same script. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and just, because you're going to emphasize different words, you're going to say, I mean, yes. m- believe me, the tonality I have on stage is nothing like anyone else's in terms of, because it depends on, you know, if, 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 if I'm in the South, I'm a little slower and I have a little more fun with it because I was born in Tennessee and I can sound like that. I can sound like the folks that are sitting in there with me. If, 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 I, if I'm up north or I'm in Chicago, I was in Chicago not too long ago, I'm in Chicago, I go a little quicker and I'm a little sharper and I'm, I'm making sure I'm enunciating properly. And I, I tune it again to the audience. I tune it to what they want to hear. If it doesn't make a difference, Bridget, what we're saying, if you don't hear it, it's my fault, not yours. And there's a mm. one of my one of the, the the best topics I do across the country right now is called Are they hearing what you said or something completely different? And it's it's a, an active listening, creative communication topic. It's applicable to any industry, and I've literally done it. Uh, you, you name an industry, I've probably gotten some version of it in there. And the bottom line is, we don't, especially Gen Ys and Gen Zs, we haven't learned to listen properly and to react. We're all built to have that next thing that we want to say and we're not listening to what you're saying. If that's happening, that's not the person you're talking to's fault. It's your fault. I am responsible for 100% of 50% of our specific interaction. I have to give you all of my 100% or it's not working. And if I don't know who you are, I don't know what your, what your challenges are. I don't know how you take in information. I don't know enough about you and I don't reach you. That's my fault. That's my fault. And it, it, we, don't, we don't take responsibility for that. We go, I just didn't like the guy. He didn't make any sense to me. Well, maybe he didn't, and maybe he didn't do enough research to know how to reach you, or maybe you weren't plugged in enough to want to hear. But the bottom line is that it really comes down to, I, I'd love to see research on that. And I have seen where, depending upon the word choice, there are all kinds of what, what are called power words. And you can have power words in a script, but if you don't emphasize them, people don't hear them. You have to do them a certain way. Sometimes it's, with tenor and timing, and you let that word just sit. Sometimes it's silence. Sometimes it's getting more up and down. And, I, and people will say, you have so much energy. I don't know how you do that on stage for an hour and a half. That's what I'm built to do all day. That, 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 that's my job. So when I come up, that's, I'm ready to go. But I know that there's pacing, and I know there's certain times where there's certain things that people need to get. And I've gone uh you know extremely quick and we're pushing and we're having fun and we're people are laughing and then i'll just stop and ask a question and then stand there and the silence is way more powerful than anything i could possibly say we don't have to fill that void with noise sometimes you just be quiet sometimes my kids i have a 24 year old and a 20 year old you know when they're the most afraid of me when i talk like this guys i am 
disappointed in what happened in your choices. I'm not yelling at them. They don't, they don't hear that. They can tune that out. They're used to that. Right. They'll just swipe left on that and keep going. <laughs> they hear me softly and reverently and <laughs> emotionally tell them, I don't like what they did. They hear it. Oh, dad's getting quiet. Not dad's getting loud. Oh my God, dad's getting quiet. That happens in every room that I've been in. There's a, there's a point where I want to emphasize something. And I will literally stop. I'll look down. And a lot of this stuff, especially when I'm on stage, I've got a little bit of stage training. My, my daughter's uh, actress. She's in the, the international thespian uh, deal. And she's got her thing on the wall and all that stuff. And I've got this thing for you know, stage presence. I will use my body. I will use the walking. I will stop. I will stare down. I'll look up. And then say, you know, something just occurred to me. And it's not something that's occurred to me. It's what I was going to say anyway, but I stop it and make sure they hear it. Yeah. Something just occurred to me. When you, when you mentioned that question earlier, Bill, you raised your hand and asked that question. You really spurred something in me. And here's what I heard. And I'll stop for a second and give it back to them. And you see people start writing. They'll get out the phone and start taking pictures of the screen. Yeah. Because they're, it's, I'm not, I'm not, it's not the, trying to learn from a fire hose. Everybody learns differently. Everybody hears differently. And sometimes just a tone difference. That's all it takes. Absolutely. You are taking them on highs and lows. You're taking them to peaks and valleys. And you can do that just with the sound of your voice and your pacing and the inflections, right? You can do 100. that all with your, all with your voice. Yeah. Yep. And you're taking them on a journey. You're taking their mind on a journey. You're moving very quickly. They're moving quickly with you. And then all of a sudden you slow down and they slow down too. They put on the brakes too, right? So would you say that the best presenters are the ones who carefully choreograph every word and every move they make in their presentations? Would you say that's one sign of, of what some of the best speakers do? Well, again, I'm not going to speak for how, how, how others do it because there are people that are, you know, I mean, I like Dave Ramsey's a guy that I, I watch all the time. I've got all, all his videos and I've actually been in his building in Nashville and um, he's tremendous on stage. He's pretty scripted in the stuff he does on stage. If you see him night to night and different things, it's pretty close. I would say I have, I have road markers in what I do and there are things I need to hit at a certain time. There are things I need to do a certain way, but I kind of let the flow of that particular, and it's going to sound weird, but the energy in the room, I let it kind of take me mine or not. You, you could see me three nights in a row and you wouldn't see exactly the same thing. It's not that scripted. It's got the same message. It's got the same high points. It's got the same takeaways, but the, the actual delivery uh, it could be how I'm feeling. I may not feel like that guy I felt last night. I may, I may have had something, and I, I work in a lot of topical information. Something happened today that I saw that I want to share with you. This story came on the news this morning. Uh, it really impacted me. I want to share it with you. Sometimes I'll start with that. Sometimes I'll ditch whatever I was going to do and go, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. If we had, um, you know, if this were, um, this were 9-12, uh, 2001-9-12, we'd be having a different conversation. We'd be talking about how awful the events were in New York yesterday and how much that's going to impact us going forward. And I, I want to make sure we acknowledge that before we go forward, because it's big to all of us. Well, if it was like you're talking about earlier, if it was like giants, you know, you giant snow, you know, 18 inches of snow in, in the, the, uh, the Northeast and I'm speaking in, you know, Delaware. Well, 
I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to go in and go, guys, I don't know. I'm from the South. I've never seen 18 inches of snow. This is crazy. How do you people live and start from there and then work my way back into it? Whatever it is, I want to connect. And if I, and if there's something that's, that's out there that I feel like I can utilize, I will use it. If it's local information, if it's somebody that the person who introduced me, we've got a, we've got a linkage back certain years, something that I can play with that they can see that we've been here before we're here for them. It's not a, it's not a movie. It's not, you can't watch it the same way every time, but uh, yeah, the, 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 the overall message and the number of, of slides that I use and the message, the, the uh, specific information people want to take from that will be similar, but I don't, I don't want to do the same thing over and over. That's boring to me. I, I, I'm not looking for a scripted performance. Now, some people are very, very, very adept at that. Some of the upper end guys that, that speak night after night and across the country and they're speaking 200 nights a year. I may be speaking 100 days a year uh, there and they're getting 25 grand for an event and I'm getting five. Uh, they're pretty scripted. They're, they want it to be similar. They, they want it to be the Eagles concert in every, you know, every town that, that, that they go to, same set. Um, I'm kind of adaptive to that. I kind of want to be a little more personable. I want to be a little more, uh, be able to move with it a little bit. And it, it ignites me when I have something new to throw in because I do the same stuff over and over. It's good. But if I get excited about it too, <laughs> it's even better. So I try to find things that push me and that may be learning something. The, the best thing I can do is if it's, it's a company event, like I've done many corporate events where it's, like I said, year end or uh, beginning of the year, or it's the, you know, wrap up or some awards or whatever. And what I want to do is that right before I go on stage, I'm finding somebody that, you know, was a part of that and talking to them. Well, you know, what'd you, what'd you learn this year? You guys are getting this big award. How'd you, how'd you make it happen? And somewhere in there, I'm going to go, I'm going to work back in. Spoke to Bill outside before we got in. Bill, where are you? There you are. This guy right here. And I will talk about him for a minute. And that just makes the crowd go, oh, he, he, he recognizes us. He's actually speaking with us, not to us. Just little things like that that make a huge difference. I, I just want at the end of the day people to go, I enjoyed that and I maybe maybe I learned something from it. Maybe I want to learn something from it now, but that if they hear my name again, it will make it'll mean something. It'll they'll they'll remember it and go, that's that guy that really connected with us. I thought that was cool when he was there. Um there's a uh, it's a group called uh, Project Management Institute. They're all around the um the uh, US. Largest one is in Washington, DC. They've never had a speaker back two years in a row. I did the opening keynote for their breakfast uh, one year, and they brought me back to be the closing keynote the following year. That had never happened. They even said, we've been, this thing's been in existence 50 plus years. We've never even brought back, uh, a, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the trainer people we have in between during the day. We've never brought back those guys two years in a row. We've never brought back a speaker, but we've never had the re re results of the surveys that we got from your breakfast speech. And these people were waking up and we're talking about eight in the morning. I'm talking about trying to be up and awake the way I am at 8 a.m. Um, and that was extremely gratifying, extremely humbling because I wasn't expecting that. I, I knew, I was told by the, one of the organizers, you know, enjoy this and maybe, maybe we'll invite you back in three or four years when we never do them back to back. Okay, understand, no problem. And then here they are calling me about a month later going, are you available next January? <laughs> okay, why? because we want to bring you back. That came from me understanding that room. I don't, I'm not a project management expert. I didn't know enough about it to, you know, fill a small notebook to start with. I know a lot more about it now because I researched it before I walked out there. 
and it really came down to them believing me. And at the end of the day, Bridget, that's all we can do as speakers. If you don't believe me, then I'm just I'm just hawking a product, or I'm I'm on an infomercial on TV trying to get you to buy something that you really don't need. If you believe me, there's a chance you might be able to change something about yourself, and you might be able to do something more than you've done. And maybe take my advice, maybe not. Maybe it'll just make you mad, and you go do it your own way. Either way, you win. Uh, and that's what I try to make happen. You're spot on with that. I won't go into personal examples, but when I tell you you're hitting the nail on the head, you're hitting the nail on the head. When you get up there and you speak from a place of passion and you speak from a place of making sure that the audience is learning and that they get it, and you're not just a talking head, but you are truly giving them 100% all you all day, Mm, they can't get enough of it. They can't get enough of you. One last thing sure. that if our listeners hear nothing else, Brad, if they walk away from this episode knowing nothing else, what is this final we need to hear from how to own the microphone? You know, it's, I think it comes down to the decision that you make when you look in, in, in the mirror every day and when you get ready to go to an event and again I I invite people to start small if you're growing uh one of the greatest ways to do that is there are uh there are like rotary clubs in every town in Jacksonville there are in the in the region a 25 mile half hour drive region there's probably 30 different clubs they meet 50 times a year and they have a speaker at every event there are multiple five to 30 minute speaking opportunities every week somewhere near you. Now, you're not going to get paid. You'll get lunch or you'll get a token from the rotary that you're, that, you're, that you're speaking to. But if you can put together a topic outline with a great headline that gets their attention, you know, um, speaker looking to share information with your group, go onto a website, look up all of them, send it to the person that same email to every president you'll get a bunch of different opportunities to go speak to groups as small as 10 or 15. One of them here in town is about 250 people. Um, those are great ways to cut your teeth and train and get, get, get comfortable. At the end of the day, if you're going up there for you, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You, you, if you're going to do it for you, then you should be, you, you, you know, you should be, you should become a Kevin Hart. You know, get get a great comedy routine together and go entertain people and have fun doing it. And you, you want to go, you know, grab a guitar and play and just play and have people applaud you for how great you play. Wonderful. Do it. You want to be a trainer, a coach, a real speaker that gets people's attention. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for them. And if you start with that mindset and then base everything else around that, what am I going to say? How am I going to how am I going to react if this happens or this happens? What am I going to do at the end? What's my call to action to them at the end? What do I want them to do? And you start be getting the structure and go watch other people. You know, if you have people online, there's lots of people online. You can get an idea of their their their, their stage presence. Take a, a, a look at the structure. There's an open. There's some notes. There's some middle. There's some challenge. There's some wrap up. In five minutes, 10 minutes, or an hour and a half, my stuff has a beginning, a middle, and an end on purpose. And if you can't do that, then go practice in some of the smaller ones that are, that are not going to pay you that you can learn from. 
they'll give you good feedback and you might even have great contacts with I made a ton of contacts speaking to, to Rotary clubs for free because they're all business people. They're in businesses and they got they got sales teams or they got management teams. They're like, could you come to my office and do this? And then I'm saying, yeah, and it's going to cost you X. And we're going to talk about how much that fee is because now it's a legion source. But to but at the beginning, it's just exposure. Speak anywhere you can. Get out and do it. The more you're comfortable, the more you can rein in what works and what doesn't work. And I and I, I've actually uh, uh, had an opportunity to work with several several young speakers, and it really comes back to that thing, you gotta look at yourself and go, what am I trying to do? Help them or just entertain me? Yeah, and that's the difference. And uh, if you start from that, I think everything else will begin to fall in place if you if you work uh, you, know, you, you, you work a craft. And it is a craft, you have to learn it. There you have it, there you have it. Brad Rainey, you have given us so much value on this episode. I cannot thank you enough. Really appreciate having you here today. Well, Bridget, I appreciate the opportunity. We've got some tremendous uh, connections between us that allowed this to happen. And I'm going to leave you something quickly with the thing that my dad told me to do years ago. And it's that I, I this, is this, this is what I practice. I do this every day. He said, do th- th- three things every day. One, do something for yourself. You're special. You're unique. You're here for a reason. Take care of yourself. Give yourself a, an opportunity to grow and, and, and learn about you. It's okay to spend time on you. Two, do something for someone else. We're often, we forget that we're ripples in the pond, that we can't affect those around us, whether it's your kids, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's your friends, reach out, do something that has no direct benefit to you. Open a door for someone, take somebody groceries if they're not feeling well, do something for someone else. Then third is do something that needs doing. That is get that to-do list out and check it off. That's what keeps you moving forward. If you take care of yourself, if you take care of others and you keep working on that to-do list every day, you'll be amazed the difference that your life, where your life will go and how quickly that you can be in charge of it. Um, I do those every day, Bridget. I hope some of your listeners will start doing those as well. Forget about the listeners doing them. I need to do them too. (laughs) (laughs) I should say forget about the listeners doing it. Yes, we want you to do all three. And I have my pen and paper here and I'm joining you. Brad Rainey. Thank you so much for your time, your expertise, and your energy. This was probably one of the best episodes, and I think listeners are out there shaking their heads and will agree with me, one of the best episodes of this podcast. Everybody, thank you for tuning in, and until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.